Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healing Power of Trauma. Thank you for joining me tonight. So the other day I was reading through the comments on my TikTok and I came across this statement made by a user. She said, everyone's a narcissist these days, followed by a thread of comments where she attempted to invalidate my experience. I didn't respond to her because... It's not my job to prove to anyone that what I experienced was traumatic. Also, because I'm not a psychologist or a therapist and I cannot diagnose anyone. I talk about narcissism and how I feel it applies to my experience because if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck, well, I don't know what to tell you. Do you ever hear people describing their narcissistic exes? It's like they're describing the same person. And that's because narcissistic personality disorder is a pathology. And those who suffer from it or have narcissistic traits exhibit the same traits and patterns of behavior. Kind of sort of like a drunk. They all act the same. There may be some variances where some may be happy drunks or aggressive drunks or whatever kind of drunk. But in essence, they all act the same. Finally, I didn't address it because she actually made a very valid point. So today I wanted to take a few minutes at the beginning of this podcast to talk about what narcissism is versus what someone with narcissistic personality disorder might be like. Narcissism is far more endemic than we think. It also happens to be highly misunderstood. I think that this may be because the word narcissist is thrown around so much, it trivializes the condition and it ignores the truly destructive traits that characterize narcissistic individuals as well as those suffering from narcissistic personality disorder. We all know someone who claims to know someone who's a narcissist or someone who has either dated one or is in a relationship with one, right? Too often, I feel like the word narcissist is used to describe someone who displays attention-seeking behavior, such as taking too many selfies or bragging about themselves. I also hear people describe it to you um, to to describe someone that they don't like, or simply put, someone who is an a-hole. But narcissism exists in a spectrum and not every narcissist has narcissistic personality disorder and not every a-hole is a narcissist surprise surprise so what is narcissism right i am going to try to summarize everything that i have read and heard in every podcast and every book that i put my hands on about narcissism first of all narcissism is not a personality disorder Narcissism is a collection of pattern or behaviors and traits that can be expressed in two primary ways. You have grandiose narcissism and vulnerable narcissism. Grandiose narcissism includes two subcategories, adaptive and maladaptive. The adaptive causes people to build themselves up, right? Puff up their chest to protect themselves and their fragile ego. And the maladaptive causes people to have a heightened sense of superiority and entitlement. You know, those people that think they're better than everybody and that feel that they can take advantage of everyone. Then you have vulnerable narcissism, also known as covert narcissism or closet narcissism. This one, I happen to know a lot of because I've been spending the last year recovering from one. 
People with covert narcissism generally have a low sense of self-worth and crave praise and attention in order to feel better about themselves. They display high sensitivity to criticism, difficulty developing and maintaining relationships, they lack a sense of accountability, and tend to use manipulative tactics to abuse their partners, such as gaslighting and the famous silent treatment. Ask me all about that because I know everything. Narcissistic personality disorder, on the other hand, is a serious mental illness. It's a pathology, and it is marked by an inability to relate to the world in a healthy way, resulting in an acute emotional and behavioral impairment. For the purpose of this podcast, when you hear me talk about narcissism, I'm talking about the pathological, defensive narcissistic strategies that people with narcissistic personality disorder developed at some point to cope with life as a result of their childhood experience. In essence, narcissistic people are people that suffered a developmental injury in childhood, a term known as a narcissistic injury, or you might have heard of it called um, narcissistic wound. This can happen when a child doesn't form a secure attachment to their main caregiver due to maybe high levels of criticism or abuse or neglect in their formative years. Now, I want to clarify that not all people who suffer a developmental injury grow up to develop narcissistic um, traits or narcissistic personality disorder. Some grow up into adults who experience post-traumatic growth, which includes an increased compassion and pro-social behavior such as altruism. These individuals may experience a hypervigilance and be acutely attuned to the feelings, emotions, and mental states of everyone around them. We may refer to to them as empaths. On the opposite side of the coin, narcissism emerges as a psychological response to an overwhelming shame leading to low cognitive and effective empathy, which, if you didn't know, is fundamental to develop an emotional landscape. Narcissists see the world through a murky lens where everything is black or white, for or against them, and they consequently develop coping mechanisms they deem essential to their survival, such as love bombing, projection, deflection, distortion, gaslighting, triangulating, splitting, etc., to protect their fragile ego and narcissistic wound. Essentially, they go out into the world to take from it to pacify their narcissistic injury. For this reason, they seek people who will serve their interests and nourish their false ego. Some people may call them flying monkeys. I don't like that term. They surround themselves with flatterers and enablers. And even though they are superficially charming and friendly, their interests in people are usually one-sided. They're only interested in what they can get from you and how you make them feel about themselves. They suffer from an empathy deficit or an inability to recognize and understand another's mental state. But... It's funny that they're able to eloquently discuss emotions without experiencing them, which to me is very confusing. 
Um, you can look up um, the difference between effective and effective empathy for reference. This is also known as a theory of mind deficit. I know that maybe some of you follow me on TikTok saw the TikTok that I made about that. And the theory of mind deficit is basically an inability or an unwillingness to put themselves in someone else's shoes and being able to imagine what the other person may be feeling. But being able to imagine what the other person may be feeling is only one component of empathy. Complete emotional empathy requires an appropriate emotional reaction. Now, that emotional reaction is key because psychopaths, for example, have an acute and impressive ability to figure out your feelings and thoughts while not necessarily having an appropriate reaction. I want you to imagine crying in front of a person with narcissistic traits or a narcissist and a psychopath. The psychopath will likely smirk or laugh at you for crying, while the person with narcissistic traits will likely go blank and just stare at you because your displays of emotion confuses them and makes them feel uncomfortable. Another thing to note is that narcissists and narcissistic people are also very skilled at reading certain things about other people. This is known as data harvesting. And they um, they do it way at the beginning of the relationship when they're doing the whole love bombing thing. Like any other predatory, disordered personality individual, they seek out your weaknesses by mirroring and faking interest early in the relationship not with the intent of not hurting you, but with the intent of capitalizing on these weaknesses when it suits them. Their end game is not to foster an intimate relationship with you because this triggers their fear of abandonment. Their intent is to have complete dominance over you. It's subjugation, not a relationship. I don't want to go too deep into explaining how to figure out if you dated a narcissist because, like I said before, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. I will suggest, however, that you watch um, Dr. Ramani's video on YouTube. It's titled Three Ways Narcissists Destroy Your Physical Health. In that video, she explains the various health issues that are triggered from being in a relationship with a narcissist or narcissistic individual. I knew I was dealing with a narcissistic individual or at the very least a toxic person when I developed PTSD and an autoimmune disorder caused by stress. I also want to remind you that in order to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, you have to meet the DSM-5 criteria. On that note, I want to read a quote by Dr. Ramani and jump right into today's topic. Why do narcissists ruin their own birthdays? I wasn't intending on talking about this, but I was listening to a couple of her podcasts on the subject um, and it triggered uh, a memory and it triggered anxiety and it triggered a lot of emotions and a lot of things started to make sense for me. I hope that maybe this brings some clarity to you too. So the quote reads, so often narcissistic folks can't win on their birthday. They want that day to be something more grandiose and corrective, and it simply cannot be. Over time, people in long-term relationships of any kind with a narcissist may feel tense as that person's birthday approaches. A narcissist's birthday will frequently be a no-win situation. If you remember to wish them a happy birthday, they may downplay it. 
But if you fail to make a big enough deal of it or forget it entirely, that's when conflict can arise and the narcissist may behave even more poorly than usual. This is super interesting to me um, because I was under the impression that narcissistic people ruin somebody else's birthday, somebody else's holiday, somebody else's special day, right? I didn't know that narcissists will ruin their own birthdays and holidays as a way to make you feel inadequate or to rob you of any joy that you may derive from doing something kind for them. You would think that as self-centered and attention-hungry as narcissists are, they would do everything in their power to make sure that you do everything in your power to make their day memorable and special, right? But that's not always the case. For a narcissist, everything is never enough. You will always miss the mark because you will never be able to match their expectations with your well-meaning acts of affection, no matter how grand. Add to it that their demands and expectations are forever changing. It's hard to explain this concept because it's so hard for me to imagine and feel so far-fetched to even think that someone would go out of their way to manipulate a situation to such extent that they end up playing victim to someone's kind and thoughtful actions. It's almost like they punish you because your gestures didn't meet their expectations. It's also interesting to me because narcissists will hardly ever go out of their way to do something meaningful for you. And if they do, they will intentionally sabotage it. Like they will go and buy you something you wanted, but it'll be the wrong size or the wrong color. Or maybe they'll congratulate you for a birthday or a promotion on the wrong date. Like if your birthday's on the 15th, they'll wish you happy birthday on the 19th. What With what intention? The intention is to let you know that you are not important. And if you dare try to correct them because, you know, they made a mistake, you will be sorry because they will accuse you of being ungrateful. After all, at least they took time from their busy, self-indulgent world of fantasy to think of you. I just recently watched another video by Mental Healness where he explains that sometimes a narcissist will ruin their own birthday and special day out of spite. Who would do that? I don't know. It, it sounds kind of sick, but I didn't have to dig deep in my memory file to find an example to share with you today. So it was 2019. And my ex's birthday was coming up. I had been living at her home at the time. And like I mentioned in my last podcast, I was suffering from a myriad of health issues resulting from stress. Things had gotten so bad. I was taking antidepressants and benzos to keep me sedated. And he, even then, I was struggling with PTSD and an acute decline in physical health. That period of my life is so dark and painful. I have blocked out so much of it but whatever memories are left haunt me. I remember that cognitive dissonance, having this instinctual survival response to leave and self-preserve, yet feeling responsible and being told I was responsible to stay and work harder to make the relationship work. I remember packing my stuff and leaving so many times and spending so many nights sleeping in my car, desperately trying to find a place to stay. I remember being super strapped for money because my savings were running out and I couldn't work due to my medical issues. Regardless, I was still very much in love with her and I wanted to do something nice for her birthday. So I saved up some money and I planned a small outing. 
I remember that at that time, I had very little money to work with because I was responsible for paying half the mortgage, and rightfully so. I was staying there with my children. But I also remember around that time, my PTSD was so bad that spending an evening at a loud and busy restaurant with a group of people induced like this debilitating anxiety so I suggested we celebrate her birthday chose the two of us a day prior so that she could go out and celebrate with her children or her friends on the day of her birthday right we went to see that movie um, A Star is Born with Lady Gaga I got us dinner and I bought her a coach computer bag she'd been asking for I thought we had a great time I really did I remember I asked her when the night was over um, to please, please not put me in a situation the next, next, the next day by asking me to join her in her celebrations because I was on an emotional budget and my PTSD couldn't afford another night and neither could my wallet. The mistake I made then, and I see that now, was to assume that she would do the right thing by me and tell her kids we had already celebrated her birthday the night before. And because I wasn't feeling well, I wouldn't be joining them that evening. She seemed sympathetic of my circumstances and she agreed. I honestly felt really good that I had managed to at least in a very modest way do something special for her. The next day, I remember I was in bed, exhausted, trying to deal with my anxiety as she was getting ready to head out to celebrate her birthday with her children. I was listening to a meditation video when she stood at the foot of the bed and asked me with tears in her eyes why I wasn't up getting ready to leave. I was so confused, but I was more frustrated than confused. Um... I kept on thinking, had yesterday not happened, did we not have an agreement? She was crying and acting like the day before had not happened. She was crying and moping around. And at some point, she opened the door to our bedroom so that her children could hear her telling me how deeply hurt she was that I was refusing to celebrate her birthday She refused to acknowledge that we had gone out the night before and with a straight face proceeded to state that the night before didn't count because it wasn't on her birthday. I was so dumbfounded. I felt anger swelling up inside me as my confusion grew and my hurt over her dismissal of my efforts triggered in me this sense of unworthiness. I was a child again, excelling in school, getting straight A's, trying to make my mother proud of me only for my efforts to be ignored. My mother didn't even go to my high school graduation. And I know that my ex reminded me of home and I didn't want to run away. This argument went on for a good 30 minutes before I started to have more anxiety and eventually I went numb. I caved to her manipulation, got in the shower and got ready. An hour later, my children and I were in our car, driving in silence behind her on our way to a restaurant where she sat pouting and playing the victim the whole night. I sat there numb, angry, and confused at her lack of empathy and compassion for me. I was full of anxiety, sitting at a restaurant full of people trying to regulate my emotions and my nervous system simply because my partner refused to acknowledge that we had gone out the night before to her children. 
And so I had to sit there and pretend that none of it happened. When we came home, I remember feeling so angry. No, I was livid. Did she not agree the night before not to put me in the situation? I had this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach that no matter what I did, I would never be good enough. She kept telling me that I was being inconsiderate for not making an effort to show up for her. I didn't make an effort? <laughs> was I going crazy? I don't know how to put in towards the state of confusion and anger I was in. She kept repeating that all she wanted was to have us all together to celebrate her birthday and that I had intentionally ruined her day. That she didn't want my children and I to feel left out. Left out? Excuse me? Did we not have a conversation yesterday where I asked her, begged her literally, not to put myself and my children in that situation? At some point, I started to doubt that the night before it had happened at all. The gaslighting and the manipulation were nauseating. Then she said it. She said, what's wrong with wanting to post a nice family photo of us celebrating my birthday? There it was. She needed that ex external validation from the cyber community on Facebook. She needed to reinforce that false self and I had failed to meet her expectations. I deserved to be punished and punished I was. I remember thinking the next day how she had killed two birds with one stone that day. She punished me for my supposed lack of effort and then used my angry reactions to reinforce the narrative that she'd been using like a broken record. I was emotionally abusive, controlling and manipulative, and I ruined everything. This narrative wouldn't make sense if suddenly this abusive, controlling and manipulative individual would go out of her way to do something nice for her, right? So no matter what I did or how well-intentioned I was, she had to find a way to downplay it and make me feel like I was a bad person because I didn't celebrate her birthday the, the way that she wanted to. She wanted that photo for Facebook. It was so important for her to have that Facebook picture so that her friends and family would like it and so that she could prove to the people on Facebook that we had a perfect family and a perfect relationship when it was far from it. So there you have it, the perfect example of how a toxic or narcissistic person will sabotage their own birthday out of spite to gaslight and manipulate you. I play that scenario in my mind every now and then, but when it pops in my mind now, the emotion it triggers are different. I have been able to heal from that mother wound and have an understanding that I was trying to desperately make my ex like and appreciate me because I felt that doing so would fix my relationship with my mother. I would be worthy and my mother would love me. I understand now that to heal that mother wound, all I ever had to do was to allow myself to recognize and feel that pain, to love myself the way I had wanted my mother to love me. I learned that healing didn't require I immerse myself in a relationship that reminded me of home. My ex and my mother are not the same person, and fixing one would not fix the other. Instead, I needed to forgive my mother the same way that I have forgiven my ex, and most importantly, I needed to forgive myself. <sighs> that was hard to go and explain. And it's a memory that, I, like I said, it pops in my mind every now and then. And 
before I used to trigger anger and anxiety and anger. And now I have compassion because I have an understanding of why my ex is the way that she is. And I know that when I was with her, I stayed with her because I wanted to understand and I wanted to be there for her because she would tell me about her childhood and the things that she experienced. And, you know, she'd been married a couple of times and how badly those relationships were. And I felt like I needed to rescue her the same way that at some point I felt like I needed to rescue my mother from herself. I hope that this podcast was helpful to you in some way. And if nothing else, I hope that you walk away feeling validated, that you're not alone in your experience with the toxic or narcissistic person in your life. Healing is possible if only you allow yourself to stand still for a while. Dig your roots deep and grow and grow through the pain. Thank you for listening to me today, and I hope you join me next week. Bye-bye.